This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. We're just interrupting the start of your podcast to tell you about the Industry Minds Awards in association with Apollo Artist Management. The Industry Minds Awards will be held at Piano Works West End on Sunday the 22nd of September. The event is further sponsored by Bass Dance Studios, Bumble Biz, Theatre Accounts and Still Point Space. The judges for the awards include Rosalie Craig, Paul Taylor Mills, Arlene Phillips, Stephen Meir, Denise Welch, Tyrone Huntley and Broadway World. You can find a link to tickets on our Twitter and Instagram feeds and we'll also put it in the description of this podcast. We hope to see you there. Now, on with today's podcast. by a wonderful director who is currently directing a new musical in the 2019 NYMT season. She is also an associate artist of the Singapore Rep Theatre and it is of course Kate Gollidge. Hiya. Hello, how are you? Very well, thank you. It's quite warm today, don't yes. you think? Um, it's quite warm in here, isn't it? It is, I was just thinking that. Maybe we can like mess about with the I can hear con. a fan blowing oh, so somewhere. It is Maybe we'll be fine. We'll, we'll get used to it. It'll be fine. Are you having a good week so far? I am. A busy week because we're gearing up to start the NYMT rehearsals. Mm. So we're in that mad phase of millions of emails being sent to different people about different things, trying to keep on top of all of that um, and get the show clear in our minds before we go into rehearsal. Absolutely. Um, So that's a really fun part of the job as well, because things that have been orbiting your brain for ages actually start to come together and solidify when making decisions mm-hmm. about who's in which bit and how they're going to be costumed and all of that part of it is um, is actually really fun. It's, yeah, which is the fun part of it rather than the admin part. Yeah. That's great. So, um, as you know, because you listen to the podcast, we start with a word association game. Okay. So just I can see it's a list. Oh, I can't can. read it. Good. <laughs> just the first thing that comes into your head. Okay. Travelling. Yes! Dogs. My dog, Lola. Auditions. Scary for actors, but wonderful for panels. Am I meant to say just one word? No, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Oh, God. I enjoyed that. Ruined the game already. (laughs) Sorry, carry on. Regional theatre. I don't get to enough of, but is wonderful. Mm. Liverpool. I love Liverpool. Do you know that? Of course (laughs) you do. Um, Liverpool. Okay. What do I associate with Liverpool? The Beatles Mm. and uh, being far too drunk. Um... And yeah, love it. We won't we won't linger on that. No. <laughs> uh, new writing. Clever, clever writers. Chocolate ice cream. Mm, I prefer chocolate chip, but vanilla. Oh, okay. For fun. Cold. Yes. <laughs> and days off. Heavenly. Love it. How how often do you get a day off? To be honest. I get more days off now than I ever used to. Really? Yes, which is weird because I'm also working more now than I ever used to as well. So I don't really know how that pans out. I think it might be to do with having a family. Mm. Um, And so I just can't work seven days a week because then I never see them. Um, So days off are really interesting, aren't they? Because I think we feel really guilty about having them when there's there's always work to do. And my my more remote family 
uh, not my mum and dad who totally get what we do but my certainly my in-laws and um, more distant family will always say you know are you, are you working today are you working this week and the answer is always yes I'm always working mm-hmm. even on the days off there's emails to do and things to think about there's never a day that I'm not in some way working mm. but um, I've also definitely got better at protecting time off in fact I'm going on holiday on Thursday where are you going I'm going to Italy oh lovely just what for part? the weekend I'm going to Tuscany so much yeah we're going to a little place that is completely in the middle of nowhere Amazing. and um we're just gonna drink prosecco and limoncello and eat lots of food and hopefully have a lovely time and swim in the pool excellent work just a long weekend i feel like i have to say that don't worry it's just a long weekend i'm not <laughs> taking too much time it's off fine don't judge me <laughs> <laughs> i think you deserve it deserve a break so let's get on uh, to the podcast. Welcome. Um, can you chat to us about what got you involved in the creative arts? Yes. So um, I have always loved drama since being a child. Um, one of my earliest memories was playing a piece of pondweed in our local youth theatre production. I don't remember what the production was, but we performed it outside Safeway which is now Morrison's. Safeway, I remember I think they're now Morrison's, yeah, or some uh-huh. of them are. And uh, I had to do a sort of jellyfish thing, and I was wearing a black bin bag. I think I was about nine years old. Um, and I knew that I loved performing at that point. Um, I was also very upset not to be cast as Mary in the Nativity play. Uh, I was always cast as the narrator. Um, and everyone else got to wear costume, and I had to wear school uniform. And that is one of my overriding childhood memories of just being given the wrong role um and then as a teenager that turned into I think this is quite regular isn't it um the singing lessons and the dance classes and the youth theatre um I did a lot of youth theatre stuff as a teenager and uh applied to Lippa in Liverpool hence Liverpool drunk nights in Liverpool uh on the degree program there which I went into as an actor and out of as a director um that was my early pathway in yeah the um the lipa course was quite amazing in that as long as you got enough credits you could sort of choose your own adventure a bit so um i did a directing elective in my second year and just discovered that i loved directing and seeing the big picture and creating the whole world with the team so i moved over gradually to just doing more and more directing and by the third year i was just directing and ended up directing my classmates and housemates in our final production at Lippa. Fab, that sounds amazing. Um, It must be really nice to be able to choose your own way. I think often with drama school, it's this is the course that you do and this is what you have to do. And if you want to do something different, you have to you have to leave and do something different. Yeah, I think that is interesting. I have, of course, like I think all young performers, I wanted to go to Arts Ed or GSA or Mountview because those were the places Mm -hmm. that you went to if you wanted to have a career as a performer um but finances were tight and um bursaries are hard to come by and I had two very good friends that were two years older than me at Lipper and they absolutely loved it and we kept in touch um when they went up there and they said you have to come up here you're going to love it it's such an amazing place and I went up to the audition day and I did completely fall in love with it um and being a university course it was only university fees and you know so financially 
it seemed like a real opportunity but also the course itself was just really exciting and different and I think um, I don't know much about the course now I have to say but uh, this is going back too many years I won't <laughs> say how many I'm very old but um, they seemed to be looking for people that I was a bit more of a fit for um, people that were a bit weird and quirky and who maybe wanted to make their own work um, and yeah I I don't see how I don't see where the pathways for those people, I think, in the regular courses that we have at, yeah. at the moment. Completely, yeah. Um, some places obviously mm. do and, and are really actively looking for those kind of creative students who are going to make waves and rock the boat, but then I think there are other places that maybe want the exact opposite. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. So what has your experience been with mental health over the years? This is such a hard question, isn't it? Um, I think uh, I've had ups and downs, like everybody that you speak to, I'm sure. Um, I've never had anything diagnosable, if that's a word. Um, but there, there have definitely been times when I've been quite worried about the state of my brain. Yeah. Um, I also have, uh, although it doesn't trouble me, I have Crohn's disease which is really deeply linked in with um, stress levels and stress is a massive trigger for Crohn's. So there have been times when that has played up a bit. And when I've, you never notice it at the time, but when I look back on it, I always think, well, of course, because at that point in life, I was doing that cost change and working seven days a week. And so it's really interesting to have a physical manifestation of stress, which I think is what Crohn's is for me. Mm. Um, If I'm ever having a rough period I can I can always work it out and it is always related to high stress periods in general I manage my mental health much better now than I ever have and it's still something that I'm trying to do and trying to work towards but I also recently told a, a lovely lady that is assistant director on my NYMT show that the inside of my brain is pretty much constantly like the credits of the Big Bang Theory. You know, there are lots and lots of flashing images yeah. that come through really, really, really quickly and you can't quite see them or take control of them. That's that's my brain most of the time. Yeah. And most of the time it's completely joyful, but uh, all it takes is a bit too much work or an emotion or something yeah. or not managing to get enough sleep for a few nights in a row and all of a sudden I sort of can't get control of it and those f- flashing Big Bang Theory images turn into the things that keep me awake at night. All of which I'm sure is probably entirely normal. Completely. Isn't it? I was just thinking, I was just about to say that, that I was just like, yeah, relate, relate, relate. Really? Yeah, completely. And I, th- mm. I think as creatives, we all, um, to a greater or lesser degree, do have that kind of Big Bang Theory thing where we're like, I must be doing this, I must be doing that. Mm. And I can imagine perhaps more so for directors because you have um you have it coming at you from all different sides you've got you've got the actors you've got the casting directors you've got the producers then you've got your choreographers your musical directors and your set designers your costume designers and you've got all that vision Mm -hmm. so rather than just if you're say a set designer being like right well I've got to deal with the set or an actor being like I've got to deal with the text and what I'm doing you're you've got that whole vision which is going to come at you really quickly but I think that the way that you deal with it and the way that you say that your mental health if you've not had enough sleep or whatever mm. that happens to us all I think it does. Yeah. yeah and I think that it's interesting because I wouldn't say that 
you know, if you get enough sleep and eat healthily, you can control your mental health. I don't think that's the case at all. But I know that for me, there are are certain things that I can do to protect myself against rising levels of anxiety um, that are related to work. Yeah, I think so. Would you say um, when you were at Lipa that there was any kind of mental health support or was it not really spoken about? I don't remember there being any specific mental health support, but this is a very long time ago. Um, but then I also didn't need to access it. So maybe it was there and I and, and I just wasn't someone that, that needed to use it. Uh, I'd be surprised if it if there wasn't, yeah. um, based on how sort of careful and caring the faculty were, but I can't tell you what it looked like. Yeah. Uh, but then I also couldn't remember what I had for breakfast this morning when you asked me in the sound check so my memory is not quite what it was <laughs> fair enough so um could you perhaps describe a typical day for us as a director if there is such a thing as a typical day maybe in rehearsals or something okay. what does your job entail rehearsals, rehearsals? I can do because there really is no typical day and that's one of the most amazing things about the job is that no two days are alike but yes we can do rehearsals so uh when I'm in rehearsals should I do MYMT rehearsals? Because yeah, that's what I'm it. just about yeah. to head into. So MYMT, the National Youth Music Theatre, are uh, amazing youth theatre. And we take kids from all over the... We take young people from all over the country and we uh, work with them to put on a season of shows at the other palace. So three of them are at the other palace and one of them has just finished a tour. It toured around oh. um, youth arts festivals. Uh, and that day is really full on because we... We rehearse residentially, so we all move to a boarding school and we all live there and we have school dinners. Um, We get up, we start, we have breakfast at eight, we start rehearsal at nine and we rehearse till one and then we have lunch and then we rehearse again from two to six and we have dinner and then there are sometimes evening sessions as well so we can be working up to nine o'clock in the evening and then if it's a new musical which all of my mymt shows have been this is my fifth uh sometimes the creative team and writers will stay beyond to work out either the schedule for the next day or Mm -hmm. to make changes to the show or work on the show um it's really full-on and we we do it for just over a week and then we tech the show and then we open the show that's mad it really is. Um, actually, I love the madness of it. Um, I now do all the scheduling in advance. So one of the things that I've learned uh, f- over my years of doing NYMT shows is that you have to just be as planned and prepared as possible. So I do all the scheduling in advance. So I've known for about a month what I'm going to be working on on any given day. And we have two or three rehearsals running at the same time most of the time. Um, and uh, yeah, the chaos of it is really really fun but if you're not prepared it's a real onslaught to the senses in every way because you're also with people around the clock and it's the most beautiful countryside surrounding so if you can find time to go outside and look at the flowers and the trees then that's lovely but um it's not always possible particularly for the creatives yeah um because really unless you schedule yourself off a rehearsal uh by the time you've eaten in the break there's not always time to go and take five so you have to be quite prepared to build up your um sort of resilience and strength in other ways um which for me sometimes is having a lunch break where I don't talk to anyone 
That's wonderful. In fact, we made the whole cast do it once. Um, we had I had these voice rest badges made because it's always hard for the young people because they, they're as young as 10 and they're completely amazing but the stamina that they need to get through the week sometimes we have to help them manage that so we had these badges made that basically said please don't talk to me I'm on voice rest and so when people would try and talk to them they would just point to the badge and then everyone would know to leave them alone and there was one uh, day when there was just a kind of hysteria from everyone and it was just tiredness Uh, but they needed to unplug and we could really, as soon as you walked in in the morning, the first thing I do every day is just read the room. You can always read the room and know what is happening, who's a bit unhappy, who might be a bit unsettled, who's having a lovely day. You know, you can you can get a sense of those things if you just observe. And I thought, OK, this is going to be one of those mad days where by the end of the day, we will have had tears and fights and unless we manage this. So I put them all on voice rest for an entire hour and that afterwards they said it was the best hour of their lives really? <laughs> they absolutely loved it they all sat together on one big long table it was like a scene out of Oliver or something where no one was allowed to speak and um, members of the other companies would come over and, and talk to them and they would all point to their I'm on voice rest don't talk to me badge and afterwards they were like please can we do that for everyone and that was just so amazing so that was about five years ago we did that this year we had some rehearsals at Easter and this year's version of that was um that we, I didn't confiscate, but I invited the company to stack their phones. So we just put all the phones in a massive pile. And uh, that was as much for me as for anyone else because the constant emails, so we should talk more about emails when you're in rehearsal because actually running the rehearsals is easy, but having to keep up with all of the admin of everything else that people emailing you and asking questions and not just this project, but maybe three or four other projects as well. So you if you're not careful you spend your whole you spend every break dealing with admin and every lunch break dealing with admin so on this particular day too many emails have come in and I just thought fuck it I'm not doing this so I stacked my phone and I said if anyone wants to stack their phone what that means is they're all going in a pile and we're not getting them back till lunchtime and some of the cast started doing it and then everyone started doing it and in in the tea break they were all outside talking to each other and it was so lovely and um even at lunchtime, a couple of them came to me and said, do we have to unstack our phones or can we leave them here? <laughs> because the freedom of being unplugged from all of those things just constantly popping up and um, I think was, well, it was lovely for me and um, I think it was lovely for them too. It sounds like it was, yeah. I, I often wonder when we're so bombarded by emails and we need responses like right there, right now, what would have happened 25 years, I mean, even 20 years ago in a rehearsal room? when you didn't have a phone with internet on it and you could just go and you could just go and do that and you weren't distracted by it like how things shows still went on I sort of long for those yeah. days but like it still happened like the set still got built the costumes still happened do you know what I mean so yeah I would love to talk to somebody who knows the answer to that yeah because I now can't imagine it but I'm sure it was a much quieter time <laughs> I imagine so yeah but we're also attached and I think especially kind of like the younger generation now they've completely grown up with it like not having an iphone is like not having water for Mm. them and i think that they're just we've spoken about this quite a lot with social media and like the effects of social media yeah i think that it's very much just completely present in their lives and you can't really it's quite hard to take away from them yeah i think that is interesting i think it's hard to take away but if you my husband doesn't have social media at all Mm -hmm. Um, he unwillingly 
deals with emails, although he would rather not deal with them. Um, he hates WhatsApp, but again, because things have moved over onto WhatsApp groups, mm-hmm. he will unwillingly be part of a WhatsApp group, although he will mute most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but he doesn't have Facebook. He signed up for Twitter for about six weeks and then cancelled it. He's never had Instagram. He has a much nicer life. Yeah. He really does. And I often, I mean, at least a few times a week, think I'm just going to delete it all and start again from nothing. But um, I think once you're in, you're in. Yeah. Sucks you in, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. That's really annoying. Yeah. I want to delete it all. I know. Maybe I'll delete it from my phone after this interview. I've, I've I won't. I won't. I'm saying that. Yeah, no, I won't. The only thing I've been able to do is delete the Facebook app from my phone. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Because Facebook isn't used as much in kind of the circles that I'm in at the moment. Facebook's so. rubbish, isn't it? Yeah, it is a bit. It's but then I use crap. it for things like, I use it for really domestic things like mum's groups and, yeah. you know, what play group to take someone to on a Wednesday lunchtime. And, yeah. um, so it's sort of useful, but every day I click on it and I think this is the same old crap just <laughs> being peddled out. But then I also contribute to it. So hello, part of the problem. <laughs> we all are, we all are. Um, <laughs> So what are some challenges of directing that actors and producers and agents might not realise? I do think it's the best job in the world. I should preface this answer by saying that. I do absolutely love it. Um, Okay, challenges. Uh, So when you're in the room, every single person wants a bit of you all the time. And if I'm working with a big company of young people, I will explain that to them at the beginning because um, we have 30 cast of 30 in our current show if every single one of them asks two questions in the course of a rehearsal that's 60 questions you know Mm -hmm. like that constant bombardment of questions and queries Mm -hmm. and having to think about things that are the things that other people want you to think about and not the things that you want to think about Mm -hmm. um and sometimes uh, in rehearsal I try not to but I can feel myself getting snappy because I just think I don't want to think about that just now I want to think about the things that are in my brain first and then of course we will deal with those so um I always try to flag up with my cast that uh, all of the questions will be answered. But sometimes if you ask a question, I'm just going to say, I can't answer that right now. Mm. I think the email thing is a real challenge, particularly when you are in a rehearsal period and the days are so full on anyway. Mm. Um, The expectation that you... I mean, look, if I'm not in rehearsal, I can still spend a whole day working, doing admin. Mm -hmm. So when you're in rehearsal and there's still the same amount of admin coming in. You're basically doing two full-time jobs at the same time. That's complicated. And obviously there's the thing of having to lead the project and try and lead with love and lead with kindness um, when you are having, sometimes you might be having a bad day yourself or you've got a headache or period pain, all these things that might be um, throwing you off your game slightly, but having to make a decision on whether you which of those you share and which you keep to yourself and just make that everything's fine when it might not be. There's quite a lot of brain capacity required to be a director. It's a bit like a computer hard drive, you know, when you have too many programs open all at once, you can feel yourself slowing down. That's a challenge. And I think actually something that I maybe don't talk about enough is that I feel kind of judged too. You know, as much as an actor will feel vulnerable and need someone to to work with them and to reassure them that what they're doing is a great job I don't usually have that person yeah. um, 
and sometimes all I want is for someone to say to me, you're doing such a great job, it looks great, you know, I'm having a really nice time. And some of my m- most happy and special memories are from either actors telling me that they've had a lovely day in rehearsal or from a writer or a colleague at the end of the day saying, I absolutely loved what you did there. And I know we don't do it for approval, <laughs> but um, sometimes it's what you need, isn't it? Yeah. And as the, as the person who is responsible for making sure that everyone else does get that, um, there often isn't, uh, there just isn't the structure for that to work the yeah. other way. I, get, I, I never really thought about that in that kind of way. I have real confidence crisis days. Yeah. All the time. So, um, so obviously that part of it then does affect your mental health because I guess confidence is... Yeah, I think it does. Although the, the way that I've dealt with that in the more recent years is to work with collaborators who I can be quite open with. Yeah. as much as possible and I love working with new people I really do love working with new people um, but there are some of my most trusted colleagues and collaborators um, are people that I can say I'm having a really shit day can you just can you just take over for 20 yeah. minutes I just need a bit of space from all of this absolutely um, and I guess that's the thing about collaboration isn't it that you all you all help each other out and you all trust each other so if you are feeling a bit shit one day you can be like right if you take this then I'll come back to this in like twenty minutes when I'm feeling a bit, a bit more, yeah, ready to ready to do it and ready to work. Yeah, I like that. One other challenge I think is the, and it wraps into confidence. I think is feeling like you have to have all the answers all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think nobody wants to see a director going. I don't know. <laughs> but sometimes <laughs> that's what you're thinking. I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Stop asking. Um, but. I think also being able to have the confidence to say, I'm not completely sure about that, but I'm going to think about it and come back to you is really important. And um, I have luckily, touch wood, so far not had any negative reactions when I've shared that. So um, obviously every directing experience is, is very different. But if you had to choose one overriding theme that you like to bring to a rehearsal room, what would it be? Oh my God, only one. Um, you can choose more than one. Can I? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, kindness and and a spirit of open generosity and creativity. So my rehearsal processes are they can be quite free form. We stick to the schedule and we rehearse the show, so it's very organised. Mm-hmm. But it's also um, I'm really open to receiving ideas from anywhere in the room, um, usually. And if I'm not, I will shut that down quite quickly and just try and be clear with people and say, I need to figure this out. So hold on, to, hold on to those ideas. Yeah. But some of my favourite moments in things that I've created have been, you know, they've come from the stage manager or the sound designer or someone that's not even in the scene necessarily. Mm. Um, and that's a really tricky one to manage because I can never let it get to a point where actors feel like they're being directed by other actors in the scene. It's not It's not that exactly. But um, I will often start rehearsals by saying, I've got a theory about this, or can I just have a few people to come and help me test this thing out? Or um, start from a, quite a playful place where all sorts of ideas and madness can be included and discounted and tried and you know taken forwards or not taken forwards I have found that that is it's a really good way for me to work because it means that we have the freedom then later if you've set up that super creative joyful 
playroom, it means that the desire to get it right. I've just talked about how sometimes I want someone to tell me I've got it right, but how the desire for everyone to get it right just sort of diminishes a bit because we're all playing and contributing and we will rarely finish things on the first attempt. So I try to put things in the schedule where we will maybe rehearse them and then the next day we'll rehearse them again so everyone gets to sleep in between Mm. because it's amazing how things just get better when everyone sleeps in life and in (laughs) theatre but um so you can have this sort of mad slightly chaotic you know like those cartoon pictures where there's a cloud and like a hand and a foot and a hat sticking out of it that's usually my first rehearsal of anything (laughs) and then the second one we pick all I tell actors this very freely, but I pick all of their favourite ideas and I pretend they were mine. And then we make the thing, whatever it is. But because everyone has contributed and collaborated, there's a real feeling of um, shared creation about it. That then means that when you leave it in the hands of the actors and bugger off after press night, Mm. um, it's a thing that they've created and they have actually an interest in it because it was theirs in the first place. And... That's a very long-winded response. I can't wish I could put that all into one word, no, but I can't it's... find the right word because it's not quite chaos. It's very organised. Yeah. And it's not quite madness because that makes it sound a bit scary. Joy. Joyful. Yeah. Joyful, mad, cap, playtime, organised chaos. I love that. That's <laughs> so great. It's kind of led on to the next question, which is how important is it to create a safe and supportive working environment in... The workplace and auditions will come onto auditions, but if we're going back to the workplace, the way that you've just spoken, it's clear that you're it's a very open rehearsal space with you. Do you think that that's really important, especially for well, for your mental health and for actors' mental health to feel that they can contribute ideas and that they can kind of not say what they want in in a space, but know that their opinions are are valued. It's absolutely essential. It's it's essential. I think if you if you don't want your actors' opinions, then get puppets, you know, or do CGI where you can yeah. just make things do exactly what you want them to do. My actors' ideas are always better than mine. Always, because <laughs> you provoke them and they come up with more things and then you come up with more things and it becomes this beautiful tennis match of um, of ideas. Where, but you're playing doubles, not singles, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, every new idea will always lead you on. They're, I think of them as being like stepping stones. Each new idea leads you on to a new place. You can't always see the end point, but um, all I really need to do is uh, have uh, have theories, have a safety net, and know that doesn't mean that I can go into a room without um, having a vision. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important, and you have to be able to, uh, to guide the process and to know the moments that you need to hit and what those look like. But, of course, you, ju- you have to include everyone and their creativity I taught last week I taught a series of directing workshops and I had to teach the same workshop six times and at the beginning of the session I asked the students they were A-level age students and I asked them uh, what do you think is the job of a director as in not what not what would the bullet point list of skills be but what is the job of a director and the range of responses was really really interesting Um, and over the course of the three days we really refined it And I now think that the job of a director is to surround yourself with experts and then bring out the best in them. And I think that's, your actors are your experts in acting and in those characters. They can always advocate for the characters they're playing far better than you can. It's a balance. I think it's all about balance because I can't ask 
I can't and shouldn't ask actors to contribute more than is their job role mm-hmm. unless I already know the answer. Yeah. So I had a situation in a show a couple of years ago where there was just a design thing that we hadn't quite we hadn't quite figured out in three dimensions. And then we got the we got the set pieces into rehearsal and I started playing with them and I was using the actors and asking them to sort of can we try this, can we try that? How does it look if we do this? And I didn't know the answer and I hadn't quite worked it out enough with the designer and it was a really interesting moment because we were working in the same beautiful collaborative way but we sort of ran out of creativity and everyone did and then everyone looked to me to say okay this is what we're going to do and I didn't know and I couldn't do that yeah (laughs) and I remember that as being a really difficult part of the process for me Um, and even what was this 2017 so we two years later I'm still thinking about that and what I should have done better and how how I didn't facilitate that well enough or how I wasn't well enough prepared so I'm still beating myself up about it two years later um hopefully the actors have forgotten now but I'm sure they have (laughs) (laughs) who knows I'll ask them um yeah so I think it's a balance of making sure that there there is an answer there should you need it yeah but always inviting your team to come up with better versions i like that that sounds really great it sounds like you create such a lovely environment to work in and now a word from our sponsor king manual therapy hi there this is ronan from king manual therapy here at king manual therapy we believe that listening to our clients is how we get our results the consultation process at the beginning of each treatment is as important as the physical treatment itself because this is where we understand and listen to our patients and understand what they actually need us to do. Therefore, each treatment is tailored to our clients and not just protocol, which means we're not just treating the pathology but the person. Just going on from that, uh, how about environment in auditions? Is there anything that you do to make sure that actors coming into auditions feel safe and supported and like they can take risks and make choices in the in that room because it is such a it really can be quite all-consuming for actors mm. um going into an audition i see it i really do and actually if, if i could wave a magic fairy godmother wand for actors uh, it would be to remove the nerves from auditioning because i just see how paralyzing it can be to walk into that room and i mean everyone says it all the time but saying it is obviously not enough you know, we, we want and need the actors to give their best. We want to cast those actors. Um, we want them to be the, pro- the the solution to our problem. I've got a problem. I need some actors. You are an actor. Come and be the solution to my problem. But um, but I get it as well. I mean, I remember from being a performer, the, the, the nerviness of that is, is something that is really hard to get your head around. Um, I think h- how we can do that is a really interesting question um often auditions are done through casting directors and then the they will set the tone for the room mm-hmm. and uh for how it runs and who's outside the door and uh and all of that and that can be in some cases wonderful um, and in some cases i think oh no oh no 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 don't just bring them in and shout in their face so what have you got to sing for us today you know I think um it depends whose room it is and although as the director it's a sort of your room I never play the this is my room game um so a lot of that has to do with 
with the way that the other people like to run it. But um, if if it is an audition that I am running and I'm in charge of, you know, making the decisions about how it gets run, I think it's just about us being as relaxed as possible, um, a spirit of friendliness, um, appreciate just an appreciation. Like what we really appreciate how much time and effort and energy it requires from actors to pick their songs and curl their hair and go for the singing lesson and like I know all of those things they're really epic it's getting to an audition is no small thing there again it's about balance I think because you can't be I've found that if I'm too smiley or too sort of effusive in my thanks and my praise then that unnerves the actor too so I think actually you have to be quite neutral but that's where social media is quite useful I think because there are lots of actors who I have struck up dialogues with Mm -hmm. before or after auditions or during the process um I think what we can do is give people more time in the room Mm -hmm. so that if something goes wrong or they fluff a note or crack on the end of the belt or whatever uh that there is time to be able to say can you do can you do another one don't worry about that let's try something else or come and read this Mm -hmm. and I think that putting in auditions at five minute time slots throughout the day is really relentless on everyone Mm. and um, it means that there's just no time to be careful with actors and with what they have to offer because it takes four and a half minutes to relax doesn't it and then you've got half a minute to do what you've come to do Um, that just doesn't it doesn't work for anyone because if it doesn't work for them then we can't see what they're capable of either so it's not really doing a good service to anybody I always encourage people to hold the paper I love seeing people hold the paper because it's so much calmer if they've yeah. got to do a scene. And also it means that if you want them to do a bit, but again, you can say, can you go from this line? It's halfway down the page and they're not doing that thing of frantically trying to roll a dex through the mm. lines in their minds. They can just look down the page and see it. So I think we can encourage them to use whatever aids they need and also be really clear about what it is that we're looking for in the performance. Yeah. Um, and remember that we have to work hard too in that room. We don't just get to sit and be spectators. Mm when it really works is when you treat the recall as a bit of rehearsal I think can you try this can you try that then and and actors will mostly feel like they've had a positive experience um and we can see how this working partnership is going to be yeah yeah a few ideas great yeah so let's get on to chat about being a mum um being a mum in the industry is something that isn't spoken about enough uh but many creatives have or want to have families. Can you chat to us about your experiences being a mum in the industry? Yes, I would love to, yeah, because you're yeah. absolutely right. It's it, it's still a big secret, isn't it? Um, when I was pregnant, I didn't put it on Facebook that I was pregnant. And um, that was partly because I was really enjoying telling people in person when I saw them, which became really funny when I hadn't seen someone for nearly a year and I would rock up, you know, eight and a half months pregnant and be like, <laughs> surprise. Um, <laughs> But it was also massively because I do have a lot of work friends and colleagues on Facebook. And I just had this sense that somehow being a parent would make me less appealing as a as a person to ask to lead on a project. It would make me less employable, um, was what I was worried about. And I didn't know very many director mums. So I had a couple of, um, I had one in particular who's a very good friend who's a director mum and 
oh, she, I mean, she's amazing. She's a superwoman. She's called Helen Eastman. You should look her up. And about 10 years ago, I used to babysit for her a lot, which is how I knew her and her um, work and her, I don't want to use the word struggles because she always made it look easy, but, you know, her, her what she was having to do, the challenges facing her, um, not necessarily as a mum in this industry, but as a mum in any workplace. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, and then more recently, Hannah Chiswick, I just didn't, I didn't know anybody. And I know there's people like, you know, Marianne Elliott's got kids and Rachel Cavanaugh's got kids. But there's a difference between Marianne Elliott and, you know, me and my mates in terms of like, I can't afford childcare. Um, I can't afford a nanny. I don't have space for a nanny. Um, those, so those high profile director mums just feel like they're in a different league to um, to us, us lot. Um, and so I didn't put it on Facebook. And that was interesting because then people I would talk to, particularly after I had the baby, uh, were very surprised and um, it took me going back to work and opening a show and then opening another one so it was only about two shows in mm-hmm. that I felt really comfortable with sharing the fact that I was a parent because I f- I could still do it and I proved that I could still do it yeah. and I, I'm sure I only had to prove it to myself really but yeah. I had to get through that I had to get over that hurdle before mm-hmm. I'd made peace with the weird potentially non-existent mm-hmm. demons it's really hard being a mum and being a director, but it's also really amazing. Um, what it has brought to my life is more balance than I've ever had before because, like we talked about before, I really now protect my days off. I do take less work, and it will be work that I really want to do. Learning to say no to things is really, really hard, but completely essential for everyone. You have to say no to things, don't you, in order for other things to flourish. And I've absolutely loved having the privilege of bringing my little boy into rehearsals and having him watch stuff that we're working on and he loves it he loves the music and the dancing and he sits and it's quite incredible seeing the work that you're making through the prism of of a small person and how engaged they are with it I mean that's just like life-changing memories of having him in rehearsal with me but it's also been quite exhausting although I think you know tired whatever just go to sleep and wake up less tired that's the theory (laughs) and challenging and some of the challenges I think are uh, things that we can talk about really easily and we already are so there is there's a mum's theatre mum's Facebook group that um, I think it has about 600 members now and they're all theatre mums performers stage managers wardrobe people directors and we all talk on there mostly just about you know my kid's got this rash what do you think it is um but then often about things like job shares and how we can make the industry more family friendly and what what we think we can do to make it more accessible so there is a conversation happening and parents in performing arts is another organization that are doing great things so they've been working with equity um and they have been working on a new agreement which it has a clause in it that job shares can be requested and something like should not be unreasonably withheld or something like that I'm unclear on the wording but um there was quite a high profile job share in 42nd street so two of the performers in 42nd street shared the role and also in Les Mis so uh, there was a performer and then she went on maternity leave and another performer came in to cover her maternity leave and when she came back from maternity leave because they were both mums and both friends so they did half the week each on Les Mis 
I think people are coming around to the idea of it. I also know with my producer hat, my producer hat is really tattered. I'm a terrible producer. But um, I know with my producer hat on that it's much more expensive to have two people do a job than it is one. Mm. Once you get into shows, it's fine because you just split the salary in half. But it's the rehearsals. How do you pay two people to rehearse? And there's some questions surrounding that um, that we still need to be talking about. But there are also quite, quite simple things that people are starting to do more that my Facebook mummy group are saying is really helpful, like knowing the schedule in advance. You have to book your childcare about a week in advance. Yeah. And so if you don't ever know what you're going to be doing until the night before, then what it means is you end up having to book all of the childcare for all of the days and yeah. then not using it unless you have partners or friends or a family who can help. So that's a really key one. Tech is a big problem that we don't have a solution for yet. Yeah because hours in tech are so long. It's that, it's that question, I think, and the line is different for everyone, but how long are you prepared to not see your child for? You know, is a week okay? Is two weeks okay? Is three weeks? Like, where, where do you draw that line? And if you're in tech for a big musical and you're going to be in first thing and not getting home till 11, you know, yeah. those conversations are really difficult and it's the start of a very long road, but I, do, I really do think that people are becoming more open about talking yeah. about it and I'm really happy to talk about it with anyone that you know general shout out find me on Twitter and I will <laughs> share my experience they may not be um useful but hopefully they would be a bit no of course yeah job yeah. shares thing is really interesting because it shouldn't be restricted to just parents yeah anyone should be mm-hmm. able to job share yeah if, if um if working part-time is going to be better for you and for your health and for your mental health then yeah. It seems really logical, and I do think that it would probably uh, lead to fewer injuries and less time off, mm-hmm. because you would be, I mean, not like parenting a toddler is a rest, but, <laughs> no. um, you you know, doing doing something mm-hmm. four times a week instead of eight times a week is going to be less taxing yeah. on the body and the vocal cords, and I can see that that is going to go places. I really hope it is. I think the other thing that I should notice and appreciate is the fact that as a director, mum I get to call the shots so if I want to bring my child into rehearsals I can yes and if I want to cut the day short because I've got a babysitter crisis and I need to get home then I can Mm. and I feel really lucky that that's the situation I'm in but it's like everything you don't know it until you know it so I have always felt like I've been quite supportive of of parent performers but I look back now and I think god there's so much more I could have done but, but there, there were things that I didn't yeah. know that would have made their lives easier. Yes, of course. So I think that talking about it and bringing the conversation out into the open is really important because there are things that directors and companies don't know would be helpful. Yeah. Um, and if, if we can just be sharing those things, then maybe some of them will be really easy to implement. I think so. And then you'll have happier actors and then a more, what was it? Joyful, chaotic, creative, organised chaos. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Which sounds fab for everyone. So, just before we finish up, is there um, a support network out there for directors or an organisation that directors can call upon should they need help with their mental health? I don't know. Does everyone say I don't know? Yeah. Um, there's an organisation called SDUK, Stage Directors UK, yeah. um, who are the organisation for directors like Equity is for Actors. Yeah. Um, it's not a union, but it's a similar thing. 
do they offer mental health support? I don't know. And the reason I don't know is because I'm not a member. And the reason I'm not a member is because I can't afford it. <laughs> so the flip side of taking on less work when you become a mum is that you become poorer. Yeah. So um, all of my memberships to lovely organisations, including the gym, um, have taken second place after paying the bills. Maybe they do have yeah. a mental health support. I just don't know. I could find out pretty quickly if I were to go on the beast that is social media. My support network is my friends. It's my theatre friends. I have friends who are not theatre friends, but it's hard to explain the particular kind of madness that is what we do. So, yeah, I will call on my theatre friends. My agent is amazing. And I have often picked up the phone and cried down the phone to her. My husband a bit although he's very sensible and logical and just does that I'm being sexist but you know that man thing of just fixing the problem yeah and then I feel frustrated because I think I know because I just need to cry about it for a bit longer I have a network but yeah. I don't know about a professional network yeah it's interesting because we've asked that question to all the creatives this series and obviously there is a lot coming out for actors mm. but um it's kind of like the actors always have a have a place to go to, but maybe the people who are slightly higher up the ladder are calling a bit more of the shots do um, But maybe, maybe there is, it's just not publicised. Maybe. I don't like your ladder, though. We're not higher up the ladder. Well, no, that's... We're on that's, a different ladder. Yeah, not, not, a, not a ladder as such, but that is often how actors see it, that they are, they're answering to, to other people or that people are calling the shots in their, their career. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. I think that's a real shame. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it sort of is what it is, but I think that it's a shame when it feeds back into the actor's sense of worth yeah. and of value because someone has to make the decision about who gets cast. There has to be a nominated person who does that, but it's more often than not absolutely no reflection on anyone's ability. Yeah. It's just there can only be one person who gets the job. Exactly. That's the other magic wand I'm waving, to remove the them and us thing. Yeah. Particularly with younger creatives, I think because we're all so used to sharing and being open and on social media and in life, there is much less of a sense of the director as being the top of the pyramid yeah. and everyone else being underneath them. Um, you know, we've seen companies rising up and ensemble theatre and all of that has happened, I think, yeah. in our generation. And I hope that moving forward there will be just a more collaborative approach to it all. Yeah. Although the director will still have to decide who gets the part. because it's But it's never about who's not good enough. Mm -hmm. It's always just about who's the best person for it. That's the feedback that an actor never wants, isn't it? Yeah. After an audition is there was just someone who was more right for it than you were. But 99% of the time that's the case. Yeah. You were great, but there was uh -huh. just this other person who was a little bit more right for the part than you were. So. Yeah. I guess it's just a feeling like you know that that's the person that yeah should get the part and it's and often it's about combination as well yeah that you, you have to create a family or a partnership or yeah there are people who would be great in a different combination I mean I could talk for hours about that <laughs> I've cast big shows with all the understudy requirements and height requirements and this is a whole other podcast so mm. I won't go down that road but yeah actors you're all amazing. Actors are amazing. <laughs> so our final question. Could you walk into a room today and say I'm having a bad mental health day? 
Do I have to say those actual no. words? No. Um, well then, yeah, definitely. I can give you an example. Go for it. So a few years ago, it was another MYMT show, actually. And when I get exhausted, I just cry. It's sort of uncontrollable physical response to exhaustion. It's like someone's just turned the tap on. Mm-hmm. And I basically can't stop crying until I've slept, which in the middle of the day is not very practical. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm a bit older and I care much less about what anyone thinks. I, you know, will just cry and say, I'm just crying because I'm tired. Sorry about that. Mm-hmm. But about five years ago, MYMT show, really difficult day, lots going on, brain on absolute melt and I was tired and the washing up bowl of my eyes just overflowed and the water came out um but we were on a really tight schedule and I couldn't afford to let a session go because also I knew that I was not going to stop crying because that's just what happens it's a physical thing right so um and it was a bit of the show that I really wanted to rehearse as well (laughs) so um I came down from the tea break with my beloved choreographer Dara O'Leary who is my wingman in all situations and uh, I just said to our cast I walked in fully crying and said uh, I am I'm really tired and when I get tired like this I just cry but I really want to be in this rehearsal but you're just gonna have have to try and work with me and pretend that not pretend this isn't happening but just know that I'm okay mm-hmm. but th- this is you know this is what it is. I'm okay. Yeah. I really want to be here working with you. Um, is that all right if we just keep going? And and if I if I need to be out of the room, then you'll know why. Yeah. And it was wonderful, and everyone was so supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really frightening as the captain of the ship to reveal your vulnerability mm-hmm. to people. But I think there are situations where that's okay and actually quite important particularly when you know I love my work with young people and I think it's it's probably all right to practice what you preach isn't it and to say I'm having a really difficult day but ultimately I'm all right and I will be all right and it's okay for you to be in the room and not be completely 100% or for you to be out of the room if that's what you need to be so yeah on that day I did basically not in those words but yeah fab thank you for the story that was really good. It was really nice to hear that that's actually, someone's done that. It's been put into practice. But I do agree with you. A lot of creators have said it's really difficult to show your vulnerability um, as a creative. Have they? Yeah, yeah, they, they have. So thank you for being so honest about that. I mean, I don't advocate it in every situation. Of course, of course. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think, I think you can be more honest with people than you yeah. imagine. Amazing. Kate, thank you so much for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat to you and um, we always finish with a game called finish the sentence yes okay go here we go today i woke up and thought the child's not awake why is my alarm going off is he dead <laughs> the best thing about being a mum is oh my god everything i mean just literally every day it gets better and better every day and um, what's the best thing about being a mum um i'm currently teaching him the spice girls songs so he's only two but um uh he can already do most of wannabe including the rap um we're working on the chorus of mama i love you which makes me cry every time he sings it and uh yesterday in the garden i caught him singing to become one and was a little bit worried (laughs) that's amazing i love it Uh, my go-to shower song is 
It's the bit in Miss Saigon where Kim goes into, you know, good evening, ma'am, don't turn the bed yet, I'm not the maid. I don't know why, but I played both parts and I play them brilliantly. <laughs> I love that. Hmm. Um, my favourite thing on Netflix right now is... Oh, um, well, I'm currently doing Orange is the New Black, but to be honest, it's got a bit boring, but I, I'm quite near the end, yeah. so I'm just going to see it through. Power through, Absolutely. The best country in the world is. Oh. Can I have a few? Yeah. Okay, so Singapore, which is my second theatre home where I work a lot, um, is incredible. Uh, Trinidad and Tobago, which is one country, two islands. Yeah. That's where I got married. That is the best place ever. That's like the paradise island, tropical beaches, yeah. green blue sea. Um, I love France. I love Italy. Um, 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 I, I love Cambodia, I love Thailand, uh, I want to go to Vietnam. Um, okay, I'm being greedy. Wow. <laughs> um, mental health to me is... I don't know how to answer that sentence. Mental health to me is changeable. Mm-hmm. I love directing because... Um, oh, there's too many reasons. I love, I love directing because it's joyful. If I could change one thing about this industry, it would be... Hmm. <laughs> um, we'd all get paid more. Mm. And finally... <laughs> oh God, I feel so mercenary. I can't believe that no, came out. I didn't think yeah. that. London's expensive. Uh, finally, pineapple on a pizza is... Delicious. Oh, you're a pineapple pizza. Scarlett's a pineapple pizza girl as well. Yeah. She likes it. You're not. Uh, I always go for pepperoni. Oh, I'm vegetarian. Oh, so sorry. <laughs> that's fine. Um, yeah, yeah, pineapple. In like, fact, margarita with pineapple. Really? Yeah. Ooh. It's really good. Maybe I should give it a shot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. And it's been amazing to chat to you. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Industry Minds and we hope you enjoyed this week's episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to be the first to listen to our new episodes which are out every Thursday. If you are interested in our counselling service please email maryindustryminds at gmail.com or just get in touch with us. For news on future guests and events, oi oi, please check out our Instagram and Twitter accounts over at industrymindsuk. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon. Have a great week.